0: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. Eighteen plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It everybody, great to be with you. This is the fourth episode. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier, first of all, I want to thank everyone that has taken the time to download the podcast. We're over 25,000 downloads, and we are less than two weeks into this. Uh, the feedback has been great. I love the comments. Uh, I love interacting once again with the fans because that's what I've missed the most throughout this ordeal and I say ordeal and I'll get back to more of that in a moment but I just wanted to start off and, and say thank you um, I've been blown away with the response and all of the feedback I'm getting on social media whether it be Twitter whether it be Instagram whether it be Facebook I just signed up with uh, Instagram and Facebook Facebook rather this past week so I'm I'm getting the hang of it yeah I know I'm Old fashioned, but uh, I'm I'm doing my best to you know really uh, stay active in communicating with you because I cherish you and I'm happy that you are listening to me on Tuesdays and Fridays and my grants rants on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. This podcast is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. You know I've worked. With Roy for years when it comes to home loans and trust me folks you can count on Roy's umbrella not only for a very low rate on your home loan but here's what I love about Roy and his staff no tricks there's no nonsense like when you get to the end of the line there's no extra charges you know Roy has been unbelievably loyal to me and That's what I love the most about Roy. He's kind of old-fashioned that way. He's face-to-face. Everyone in his office, they want to get to know you. And I I love doing business that way. He's going to treat you like family. Trust me on that. Go to roysumbrella.com and see what Roy and his staff can do for you. That's roysumbrella.com you'll be glad that you did. All right. So coming up on the podcast today, I'm going to reminisce a little bit. We're going to answer a couple of questions beginning next week. uh, I'm going to be able to interact with you through a crowd question. You can go to CrowdQuestion.com If you want to get, you know, some more information on that, but we're going to have a segment uh, in each and every podcast where we, uh, you know, do a little question and answer. Now, I want to throw this out and get back to me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook because I've had a lot of people reach out to me about doing a live show. All right. Here's another one. Just came in 10 minutes ago. Grant, please do a live show and do it at 3 p.m. We miss you. Love the podcast. Thank you. All right. I'll put it out there. Would you like to hear me do a live show? Not every day, but once in a while. What do you think? Give me some ideas, okay? Bounce them off me again on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Let me know. Do you want me to do a live show? And if so, what would you like the format to be? I'm open to this. I want to have fun. I want to interact with you. So let's do it. Next question. Grant, how do you feel about the Lakers winning a title? Did they just buy it? Well, hey, here's the deal, okay? We know this about the NBA. It is always going to be a situation, especially now, where players now are calling up one another, come play here, or I'll come play with you, and the big markets are going to have an advantage such as L.A. So did they buy it? Did they? Well, hey, it's pro sports. It's 2020. Bottom line is they've got the best player in the world in LeBron James who just played in his 10th NBA Finals. I'm going to talk more about this in my rant. But, I mean, they won, right? They got the best players. If you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you should win. Who's going to beat you, right? I mean, who's going to beat the Lakers? Did we have any, any questions? I know a lot of people thought the Clippers, but, you know, when's the last time the Clippers won a big series? Thank you very much. That's why Doc's not there anymore, because they could never get out of the second round. And think about all the talent they used to have. You know, you go back to, you know, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and the bench, they still couldn't win. They still couldn't get out of the second round. This year, up 3-1, they melt and they lose. Yeah, I know they got Kawhi Leonard, but, you know, Paul George stopped it already. Would you please? He was terrible. Absolutely horrible. So, you know, the Lakers, they were the favorites going in, and they did what they were supposed to do. They won another championship. All right, this question, and I was kind of going back and forth on whether I should get into this, but, hey, I'm an open book. And you know by listening to me, not only on this podcast, but over the last 26 years, on radio in Sacramento. If you ask me a question, I'm going to do my best to answer it. Grant, so happy to hear you on your podcast. Really appreciate it. You've talked about how you resigned from the Kings, but well, could you talk more about what happened at KHDK and how you really feel about it? This is a very complicated answer. I mean, how do I feel about it? I, had a, I mean, I'm laughing at this because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put it into perspective. I had a great career, right? I was an NBA announcer for 32 years. I was at the same radio station for 26 years, and I was fired for saying all lives matter every single one. Now, think about that. I was fired for saying all lives matter every single one in a response to a tweet about BLM. So how do I feel about it? Uh, You know, again, my radio station put out a statement they basically insinuated that I'm, I'm a racist. I mean, my whole life has been about equality. I don't know how often I can say this. I mean, so how do I feel about it? Yeah, you know what? I, I could sit here and be pissed and I could sit here and, you know, throw stones and everything else. I have my health and I always look at my health as the most important thing of my life. My whole life, ever since I was old enough to understand, I was preached to by my mom and my dad. Particularly my dad, because my mom spent most of my memories with my sister, who was born brain injured in and a variety of other ailments. And that was my mom's sole job responsibility. And so my upbringing was a little bit different. It was my dad. And I'm going to get into this more and more, but you know, you want me to, how do I really feel about it? Well, how would you feel about it if you're, you, went by a certain standard and a certain notion, a core belief, and then you lost your livelihood. I mean, how do you think I feel about it? How would you feel about it? I've had to pick up and move. You know, my wife and I sold our house. We've moved to Florida for the time being. Again, I'm calling it temporary. I could find myself back in Sacramento. I could find myself in Alaska, for crying out loud. I don't know. But I wanted to be in a place where I could be a private person again. You know, I I love Sacramento. I love living there. You know, my wife and I had a beautiful home and we loved it. We all of our friends, you know, my wife has a daughter and two granddaughters in Sacramento. My two boys are in the area and now I'm far away from them. And you ask me how I really feel about it. Again, put yourself in my shoes. I had a great career. And I was fired for saying all lives matter, every single one. But welcome to 2020, right? Welcome to 2020. I, did, I hope I answered that question the right way. I was thinking, you know, should I really get into this? But, you know, you want to hear how I feel. That's how I feel. Am I happy? You know why I'm happy? Because I have a phenomenal family. I have a great wife. And I'm healthy. And that's how I live my life. You know, again, I talked uh, on the first episode and I talked with Charles Barkley about this, about Paul Westfall. And I mean, how can I complain when I'm talking about Paul Westfall, who I just love dearly, who I had a phone conversation with three times this summer, two uh, before he knew or before he revealed his diagnosis. And again, I really mean that. I, I try to make my life, I try to be very simplistic in these things. I try to really get down to the nitty gritty of what life is all about. And I've always tried to do things for the best. I've always tried to help make my community better. I've always lived by that. That's just, that's who I am. That's what I stand for. And so, you know, again, I hope I answered that question without dodging it. You want me to speak more about it? I'm not really sure. I mean, I really am not sure what else I can say. You know, we're living in a crazy world. We are living in a freaking crazy world. And it turned my life upside down. And I have two choices. You know, I can sit there and cry and, you know, lie on the ground and, you know, stomp my feet, or I can figure out how to make a living again. It's really that simple. All right. You know, I was talking about in the first episode, and I've talked about this on social media and I, and with everything going on in our society. Now, the hatred. Uh, on social media. I don't see the hatred when I'm out and about. I don't see the hatred when I'm walking down the street with my wife or we're walking our dog or we're at the supermarket or we're at the restaurant. You know what I see? I see people helping one another. I see people helping the elderly carry boxes into their homes, into their apartments, into their condominiums. I see people going out of their way to be nice to strangers. That's what I see. You know, I I I don't see what I read on social media. Like I don't think social media is the real world. I really don't. Now I'm not saying that everything's hunky dory and we don't have any problems in this country, because Lord knows that's absurd and we have a lot of problems in this country. But you know, with the election coming up and the divisiveness in this country and again I believe we have a big racial divide right now, and I'm, I'm alarmed by that, and I think we should all be. I think we should all be. I think it's sad. You know, I think it's sad to sit and watch the riots that have gone on in this country this summer and continually pop up. I remember driving through Louisville just, uh, what, two weeks ago, and they had big riots there the night before because of the grand jury result with the Brianna Taylor case. And the night before, I was like, man, should I go around Louisville? Am I going to have any issues driving through Louisville? So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, there are a lot of issues in this country, but I'm primarily here to talk about sports, am I not? And I think the thing with the pandemic – which has kept us out of our stadiums and our arenas. The tough thing for me is that we have not been able to get together. Because to me, that's the best thing about sports. That's why I, I mean, from really, I told you, I, I think you've probably heard me say this before. My dad took me to the New York Giants game at Yankee Stadium beginning at age three. Like, I don't really know anything other than going to games. You know, I lived for going to games. I still live for going to games. Like, to me, there is nothing better, nothing better than going to a live sporting event. I love it. I, I just, it is it is such a huge part of who I am. I love talking to fans. I love being there with 99% of the same people, and when I mean same people, the, the people that are rooting for the team that you're rooting for, I mean, the celebrations and really the, the crying, the pissed offness. I mean, listen, you lose a game on a last shot or a last second field goal. And, you know, you walk out of the stadium and people are swearing and they're all upset. And, you know, or if you, you, you walk out of the stadium after a last second kick or a game winning shot. Remember when Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, hit the game winning shot two Decembers ago, right? Against the Lakers. And you would have thought the Kings won the freaking championship and the euphoria. And I love that. You know, that, that's why I got into this profession because I didn't know anything else. And I'm just thinking about where we're at in society and all of the bitching and complaining and moaning that I see on social media. I don't see it in real life as much, but it's just, we're surrounded by it. We're absolutely surrounded by it. And I, I can't wait until we get back to being able to go to a sporting event. I, I I just can't wait. And I know that there have been some colleges that have opened up their stadiums. And, you know, that to me, and I'm not going to be Dr. Fauci here, okay? I don't get that right now. I really don't. You know, and I'm not paranoid. I'm not one of these people that, you know, has to have a mask on 24 hours a day. I am cognizant and respectful to those around me. So I will put that out there. And I do wear a mask in those scenarios, but I would not be going to a game with 60,000 people. I mean, they can't even keep, look at what's going on in the NFL right now. Are you kidding me? But but we're going to get back to it. There's going to be some day, there's going to be a day when we are all in arenas and stadiums together. You know, I remember growing up as a kid, you know, I told all the stories about, you know, going to the Giants and Jets games. I used to grow, I, I can't even begin to tell you the great players that I had the pleasure of seeing. You know, I saw Jim Brown play. I'll never forget it. You know, I saw a Mickey Mantle play. I remember as a kid in Little League, we used to fight, not fist fight. We used to fight over who would get to wear number seven. Everyone wanted number seven. We'd go to bat day at Yankee Stadium, and you would be praying that when you walked through the turnstile and they handed you a bat, it was Mickey Mantle and not Tom Tresh or Horace Clark. I mean, it it would break your heart if your friend got the Mickey Mantle bat on bat day and you got freaking Horace Clark, I mean, that's just the truth. That's the way it was growing up. I used to love watching, you know, Johnny Unitas play at Shea Stadium against the Jets. You know, I used to love watching Roger Staubach and Bob Hayes. I remember as a kid going to watch Bob Hayes and I knew that I was going to watch the fastest man in the world. And I used to think, man, that is so awesome that I'm in the same stadium as Bob Hayes. And I'm going to watch a guy that runs faster than anybody else on the planet, Fred Bolitnikoff. And, you know, you think about that. I used to watch Fred Bolitnikoff as a kid. Never in a million years that was I sitting there going, boy, someday I'm going to know Fred, and he's going to know me, and we're going to work together on certain projects. And I'm going to play in his golf tournament, and he's going to play in my golf tournament. It's just amazing uh, how you look back at sports and all of the things that it's brought to me. You know, I remember going to the Milrose games and people go, the Milrose games? Yeah, the track and field, the indoor track and field Milrose games every year at Madison Square Garden. My dad used to take my brother and I to that without fail. And as a kid, I remember Marty LaQuarie, the track star at Villanova, winning the mile. And Marty LaQuarie had the most amazing kick. And you would think there is no way in the world that he would win the mile on the short track at Madison Square Garden. It was banked. And boy, you were like, man, gosh, Marty's not going to win. And then all of a sudden, it was like he was shot out of a freaking cannon. And then the bell lap would sound. And Marty laquarie I mean, it was like a bat out of hell coming around. And Marty LaQuarie would win every single time I was there when he was at Villanova at the Milrose games I remember that like it was yesterday I remember going to sit and I always tell parents this I remember uh, as a kid going to Madison Square Garden on Sunday afternoons and my dad would surprise us and we'd go to a Rangers game I started going to Ranger games so early in my life that I used to think that they were three different games when they came out and cleaned the ice. I didn't realize it was a resumption of the game. And I used to love watching. My favorite player as a kid was Boom Boom Jeffrey on of the Rangers. And Eddie Jockerman was the goalie. And, you know, we always used to sit up top. We never, ever had good seats. Never had good seats at Yankee Stadium. Never had good seats at Madison Square Garden. And I, I, I tell you, I always tell parents this, and it just is baffling to me because, to me, there is nothing better than being in an arena or a stadium all rooting for the same team. I never asked my dad, how come we're not sitting closer to the ice or the court of the field? You know, two years ago, all right? Two years ago, I flew to New York. I went to the Yankees A's wild card game at Yankee Stadium, all right? I took the red eye, I flew, and I ended up buying a ticket on StubHub. You know what? I could have gotten in with a press pass or I could have gotten in, you know, some other way. And I'm like, nope, I, I want to be in the stadium with all the other fans. I bought a ticket okay, on StubHub, in the upper deck, left field, on the other side of the foul pole, okay, seven rows from the top of the stadium. And I had one of the best times I've ever had at a game. And I was so far away from the field. I mean, I was about as far away as you could be and still be inside the stadium. And you know what? It didn't mean a damn thing to me. I didn't bitch. I didn't complain. I didn't like, God, you know, I should have gotten a press pass. No, I was with the fans. And we had a great time. And when I say we, I was alone. You know, I had a friend umpire in the game, but I, I I had a blast. That 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 to me is what sports is all about. And when I look at the pandemic, because I don't think we're gonna be sitting at, you know, Golden One Center or Levi Stadium or any other. Chase Arena, I don't think that's gonna happen next year. You know, I really don't. Do you think that's gonna happen? How's that going to happen? You know, just being the, the energy of, of being in the arenas and the stadiums, I miss that so much. You know, we always talk about the love of sports and why we, why we do this, why we invest so much of our time, right? And if you're a kid or if you look back at your memory growing up being with your dad or your mom or your grandfather or your grandmother or your aunt or your uncle, or doesn't matter. I bet you those are some of the best memories of your life. My best memories of my life with my father was being at games with my dad. Loved it. absolutely. I remember my brother and I were home for college. I think it was 79. Might have been 78, but I think it was December of 79. And my dad surprised us with tickets for the Rangers and the Bruins game. And there was a controversial play at the end of the game. And then the Rangers, on the very last rush, could not score on a breakaway. The Rangers lose by a goal. The the The, the fans were going berserk. They were all standing. 17,500 fans were standing up chanting, Boston sucks. And Terry O'Reilly, Mike Milberry, and Stan Jonathan. You can Google it. Google Bruins Rangers fans. Uh, Bruins going into the stands, 79. I think it was 79, December of 79. And the Bruins players, okay, again, O'Reilly, Jonathan, um, uh, they went up over the glass with their skates on. Now think about this. They climbed over the freaking glass, the plexiglass, at Madison Square Garden and went into the stands with their skates on. And then I remember reading the report that the Rangers fans outside Madison Square Garden were trying to tip over the Bruins bus and they had to call the mounted police in. It's amazing the things you remember, but I mean, again, but it was just being at that venue with my family and my dad and, and my brother and how great that was. You know, I think about game three, 1996. If you were at Arco Arena, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Do you ever recall Arco Arena louder than it was for that game three with the Kings and the Sonics? Gary Payton, George Carl, Mitch Richmond, Gary St. Jean. Kings won game two in Seattle in a best of five. Ray Allen. And the Kings had their first playoff game at Arco Arena. And when the Kings came out for their formal warm-ups, And the standing ovation that lasted throughout the entire warm-up. And I've been blessed. I've been to the World Series. I've been to the Super Bowl. I've been everywhere. Never heard a crowd like that. Never, ever remember a crowd when the Kings came out onto the floor for the Game 3 in 96 with the Sonics. That was absolutely unbelievable. You know, and then I talk about going on in my career and some of the things that I always said that I would do. And I'd love to hear from you. You know, again, hit me up on social media. Like, what's the best thing you've ever done? You know, as we sit here in this country and, you know, and again, I look at the hatred and I look at the, the the venom and the cancel culture and all the other things that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And it just seems to me that some of our greatest joys and greatest memories are surrounded by sports. And I always said as a kid growing up, I would always do anything in my power to see my teams win a championship. And I think you probably heard this story, but I was working in Decatur, Illinois in 1987. And I flew from Decatur through Chicago. I think I actually drove to Chicago. Drove to Chicago, took the flight to San to, to uh, New York. Giants played the Niners on a Saturday afternoon. The Giants win 49-3. to Go right back to Newark Airport, fly to Chicago, drive three hours to Decatur, Did the went to work. Next Sunday, Giants playing the Redskins, NFC Championship game, 17-0. I'll never forget the guy sitting right across the aisle from me because our seats were in Section 127, Row 30, Seats 1 and 2. And so I'm in seat one, then the aisle, the guy next to me. The guy next to me, I've seen... For, I don't know, three, four decades. Okay. I saw him at Yankee Stadium as a kid in my section. And throughout the years, so many of the same people that I sat with at Yankee Stadium when our tickets were transferred to the Meadowlands, I saw a lot of the same people. I look over as the final seconds are going off, 17 0. First championship that the Giants won in the Super Bowl era. And this guy is crying. I'm looking at him. It's cold. It's windy. And I'm looking at this gentleman right next to me. And he's sobbing like a little kid. And I'm thinking to myself, that's to me what the essence of sport is all about. If you were a Cubs fan, if you're a Cubs fan, and you went through decade after decade after decade, And you saw the futility of that franchise and the heartache and everything else when the Cubs won the World Series. If I asked you, give me three of the greatest things that have ever happened in your life, I am going to predict that the Cubs winning the World Series is in the top three of the greatest things that ever happened in your life. Where else can that happen but in sport? It can't. And I again, we were season ticket holders. Giants, Redskins, Giants, 49ers. The Super Bowl is in Pasadena. Never been to L.A. My aunt did everything perfectly. We won the lottery, got two tickets. I was making $15,000 a year in 1987. $15,000. I was a weekend sports anchor. I was a sports reporter during the week. 15 grand. So I had an extra ticket. I flew from St. Louis to L.A. Temperature was five below when I took off in St. Louis. I landed in L.A. It was 76 degrees. It was January 24th, 1987 when I landed in L.A. My buddy in college, his dad used to play for the Giants. He lived in Southern California. I went to his house. I remember taking the uh, Super Shuttle to Van Nuys. I get off the Super Shuttle. I go to a pay phone. I call him. I go, hey, Mike, I'm at this. He came and picked me up. We go to his apartment. His condo, in the Van Nuys area. And I go, man, what are we gonna do? God, I'm pumped up. It's like shorts and short sleeve shirts. I just came from freaking freezing Midwest. He goes, what do you mean? What are we gonna do? We're going to the game. I go, we're going to the game right now. He's like, yeah, we're leaving in about a half hour. The game's tomorrow. We're going right now. He said, yes. His brother had rented an RV. We get in the RV, we drive out to the RV park right next to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, and uh, you can't make this stuff up. We park right next to John Elway's sister. Giants playing the Broncos, we had a great night. I sold my extra ticket. Now, think about this. We always talk about, you know, the cost in sport. 1987, January 25th, the face value of my ticket for the Super Bowl. You ready for this? 30 rows off the field on the about the 30, 35-yard line behind the Giants bench. 75 bucks. 75 bucks for a Super Bowl ticket in 1987. You can look it up. I sold my other ticket for $750 that night. $750 to me was a fortune. And it paid for my trip to go to San Franci- or to New York for the Niners, to New York for the Redskins, and to pay for me. And I still had money left over. You know, we always talk about, you know, great memories. And the reason why I'm doing this is I'm so, I'm just so, um, uh, I, I I don't know if the word is down. I don't want to say I'm down, but like it just sucks what we're going through right now in twenty twenty. I mean, it just sucks. It really does. I mean, the, the 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 COVID, you know, the the just everything. All the riots, um, the 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 venom with you know with the election coming up and I'm thinking, you know what, let's have some freaking fun, right? Let's let's have some fun, let's reminisce a little bit. And again, hit me up on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and let me know some of your great moments with sports you know I talk about you know watching the Rangers you know the Rangers were like my favorite team growing up uh, one of well, one of my favorite teams and I I again you talk about how, how do these things happen you know my my roommate in college for crying out loud George McPhee all right he won the Hobie Baker award at Bowling Green his senior year. It's the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy in college football. So that tells you all you need to do about George. George was a hell of a hockey player, and he was really smart. And I I just admire the heck out of George for his career. But think about this. Hobie Baker award winner, okay? Bowling Green, they were a national powerhouse, and George ends up playing for the New York Rangers. And George's first game ever for the Rangers was in the playoffs against the Flyers. And the first two games were in Philadelphia, and I couldn't get the games on Bowling Green. And I drove to a friend's house in Cleveland two hours away because they got WOR, the Super Station. And they carried the Ranger games. I was not going to miss George's game. I watched game one. Then I drove home, came back for game two. And then I drove 10 hours to go to game three to watch George at Madison Square Garden. Because I said, I'm never going to, never, ever going to miss that. And then... The following year, they were the Smurfs team. Then the Smurfs, all these small guys, blah, blah, blah. Rangers end up losing, I think, in the second round of the playoffs on a Friday. We end up at the pub in Rye, New York, okay? Now, think about this. I'm just in my early 20s, all right? I'm, what, two years out of college. I am at the pub with the New York Rangers because they used to practice in Rye, New York, all right? So the pub was right there. And basically 75% of the team is in there. And the bartender, I'll never forget this. The guy that owned the place, his name was Hitch. And he started to kick everybody out. It was like four or five in the morning because he was exhausted. I go, Hitch, listen, I attended bar in college. I'll attend bar for you. He goes, yeah, you're going to give away my bar. I go, I promise you, I'm not going to give away your bar. Just tell me how to work the register. I'm at the bar, at the pub in Rhine, New York, and I'm tending bar for the whole Rangers team. I got Ron Greshner and the supermodel Carol Alt there. They were married. I got Tom Laidler. I remember what they were drinking. Jack and water for Gresh. Jack and water for Lades. I've got, you know, Rayo Ruotsalainen, the defenseman from Finland over here. He's drinking beer, okay? I've got the whole freaking team. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. The, like, I, you just can't make that up. I mean, I had some amazing stories. But again, I go back to the essence of sport. And the the athletes that we grew up either idolizing or rooting for or, you know, the jerseys. You know, and for me, getting into this profession, I, I've always shared this story. One of the great memories that I have in my career was meeting Chick Hearn for the first time. And I'm from New York, and I got to tell you, you know, this was pre-internet. You know, you couldn't Google anything. I, I had heard of Chick Hearn, but I didn't really know the legacy of Chick Hearn until I got to California. And then I realized, God, he was a god in L.A., similarly to the way Marv Albert was in New York. And I'll never forget going to the forum for the first time in 1988. And the press box at the forum was not on the floor where we did the games. We was up high on the second level. And I'm at the forum real early, and I'm all excited because I'm doing the Lakers, Magic, Kareem, Worthy, Byron Scott, Coop. I mean, it's a big deal for me, right? I mean, I'm I'm 27 years old announcing a game in L.A. with the Lakers with the greatest players uh, of all time, pretty much. And I'm on the same row as Chick about two hours before the game, and Chick starts walking towards me. And then there's nobody around, empty building, you know. And he said, hey, uh, I'm Chick Kerr. And I go, hey, Chick, I'm really – really glad to meet you. I'm Grant Napier. I'm the new announcer for the Kings. And he said, well, I just want to welcome you to Los Angeles. And he said, if there's anything you need at all, don't hesitate to ask. We are so happy to have you here. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, that is Chick freaking Hearn that just walked over to a little kid. When I mean a little kid, an inexperienced announcer, okay? And I looked like a little kid with the way I had my hair parted in the middle and everything. But the point is I was young. And I'll never forget Chick Kern coming up to me. And I said to myself right then and there, I'm always going to pay it forward. I'm never going to say no to somebody that wants to talk to me about broadcasting. I'm never going to say no to an aspiring broadcaster. I'm never going to do that. I'm always going to do what Chick Kern did for me. Pay it forward. And it's amazing some of the lessons you get. I always talk about, you know, being in Detroit when the Tigers started off 35 and five. And Sparky Anderson and the Tigers, and I remember being up there with my news photographer because I was working for $5 an hour at the ABC station in Toledo, Ohio. And I remember getting a couple of interviews on the field before the game with Alan Trammell. I remember getting an interview with Lou Whitaker, and the the it was on a Sunday. And I remember there were so many things I remember, but when I walked into the media room, and Tiger Stadium was just awesome. I love going to Tiger Stadium. That, you know, you the media room for the food before the game. I got a plate of food and there was nowhere to sit except for one table. And the game was on NBC It was the game of the week. And Joe Garagiola, the great, uh, former player, but you know, broadcaster, he and Tony Kubek were the best. I loved them. They were great, great, you know? And then of course, Kurt Gowdy, but Joe Garagiola was sitting at a table and I'm looking around. I am I said, well, I'm not going to sit where Joe Garagiola is. And Joe said, um, Hey, you can sit here if you want. And I said, Hey, I thank you very much. And Joe Garagiola started talking to me like he had known me for 15 years. And then after the game, you know, the Tigers won the World Series that year, and that was phenomenal. And I I need to get some comments on camera from Sparky Anderson. And I remember I couldn't get in the Sparky's office at the end of the game because it was packed with reporters. So I went into the clubhouse, and I got a couple of other interviews. And after I got done, I'm walking back, and Sparky's office is empty. There's nobody there. And I knock on the door, and Sparky's sitting there. He doesn't have a shirt on. And I said, uh, hey, Sparky, my name's Grant Napier. I'm sorry. I cu- I wanted to get in here, but I couldn't. There was no room. He goes, come on in. Come on in. He goes, sit down. And he says to me, I- I've never seen you before. Who are you? I said, you know, I'm working part-time, filling in on the weekends at Channel 24 in Toledo. Hey, where'd you go to college? Oh, I went to Bowling Green. Where are you from? I'm from New York. Sparky Anderson, I mean, could not have been nicer to me. And I said, you you know, you can put a a shirt on if you want. No, it's okay. No, I'll put a shirt on. I'm like, you know, you don't have to. You know, I mean, it was unbelievable. We did the interview. And so I fast forward to about 96. Might be 97, might be 95. I don't remember, but I'll fast forward. And Sparky's now done managing in baseball. And I have him on my radio show in Sacramento. And I start off by going, hey, Sparky, I just want to let you know. I know you're not going to remember this, but I just want to thank you for how you treated me the first time I was at Tiger stadium as a member of the media. And I said, I couldn't, you were, you guys had just started off with that great 35 and five record. It was a Sunday. I go, I think it was Dan Petrie was on the mound and I couldn't get into your office. And I walked in and you didn't have your shirt on. And he said, Hey Grant, you know what? I do remember you. And then he said, and I actually, you know, live in California and I do watch the Kings and I'm so happy for you and your success. I'm just thinking, man, what a small world. And the things that you remember, you know, I can go on and on with this. You know, whether it's, you know, taking Danny Ainge to his first NFL game. You know, Danny Danny's a great guy. I love Danny. And, you know, whenever Kings fans talk about best players ever to play for the Kings, they always forget about Danny Ainge. Don't forget about Danny Ainge. Danny was a hell of a player. I mean, he was a great player. Anyway, uh, I had field passes for a Giants 49ers game, Monday Night Football. And Danny had never been to an NFL game. And so after practice, I picked Danny up. And I didn't know that Danny was a 49ers fan, but he's a 49ers fan and we're driving to the game and we just had a great chat, you know, about his family and just, it was great. And we were on, I said, Danny, just so you know, we're not standing on the 49ers sideline when we get to the stick, we're on the giant sideline. But I was thinking though, in retrospect, that Danny Ainge, here he was, you know, post Boston Celtics era growing up not growing up playing in that market. OK, in Boston and never even going to a Patriots game or anything. You know, you remember you like I, I think about again, I go back to the venomous country that we're living in right now and just how toxic social media is and everything that we're just it's just hard to take. And I reflect back to when Wayman Tisdale played in Sacramento and how Gina Tisdale, his wife and their family, they were so welcoming on Thanksgiving. Come on to our house. You know, they knew I was young. They knew I was single. Hey, we want you to come over for Thanksgiving, have, have Thanksgiving in our house. And they would have an open house or an open door policy where, you know, anyone in the organization come over, you know, those are the things that I remember. I, I just, I know we're going to get back to that at at some point. I really hope it's sooner than later. You know, I really do. And I know I've kind of gone on a tangent here, but I wanted to just tell you, like, we need to think about how important sports is to us. Okay, and I'm talking about being at games and I'm so I don't want to say I'm so tired, but like I get into debates all the time with moms and dads. Well, I couldn't get good tickets, so I didn't want to take my son or daughter. Let me tell you something. Your son or daughter doesn't give a darn where they're going to be sitting when you take them to a game. Okay, if you take them to a Kings game and you're sitting in the second level, they're not going to say, mom, dad, how come we're not sitting near the court? They're going to be so happy to go to the game. If you take your son or your daughter to a 49ers game, they're not going to go, geez, you know, how come we're not closer to the field? How come we're sitting in the end zone? They're going to be so happy on the drive to the game. They're going to be happy walking through the parking lot, seeing everybody tailgating and having a good time. Same thing with a baseball game or what have you. I think that we have lost our way with what sports are all about. The enjoyment of being at a live event and so many people make it about where are they sitting at the games? Who gives a damn, okay? Yeah, I know people that sit courtside, get spoiled. There's nothing like it. or I understand that. But if you're taking your son or your daughter or you're going to a big game, again, I talked about going to Yankee Stadium two years ago for the Yankees-A's game, and I couldn't be further away from the field. I didn't care. I was at the stadium with 50 other thousand fans cheering on the team that I love. I just really hope that we get back to that sooner than later. I really do. Uh, Sports is great. It's a great vehicle. It's been my life. It will always be my life until I die, okay? My boys were basically raised at Arco Arena. Chase was born in June. He was at his first game in October. My son Trent was born in September. You know, at six weeks old. He was at Arco Arena, and the memories that they have growing up being at different sporting events. You know, we were blessed and so fortunate to be able to go to the Super Bowl when the Giants beat the Patriots in Indianapolis. And if I leave this earth today, okay, right after I sign off on this podcast, my boys are going to have that memory forever, and you'll never be able to take that memory away from my boys being with their dad at the Super Bowl. And I'm just praying, and I really mean this, I am so hopeful that we can get back to going to games and going to games with the purpose. You know, maybe we took going to games for granted. Maybe we did. I don't know. But there's nothing like going to a huge sporting event with your brothers, your friends, your father, your mother. There's nothing like it. All right, folks. It's time for Grant's Rant. It is now time for Grant's Rant. And it is brought to you by New Works Plumbing, a locally owned plumbing company in the greater Sacramento area for 20 years. They do repiping for Kytec and copper pipes. Hey, do you still have a tank water heater? Hey, get rid of it, would you please? Save money with an energy-efficient tankless unit. Folks, we talk about New Works Plumbing. They're a full-service plumbing company. They're going to remove the headache from plumbing repairs. Schedule an inspection today. Just go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W. WRXplumbing.com. So here we are. One thing that has not changed at the end of every basketball season is the debate about LeBron James. All right, LeBron James just completed his 10th finals. He's got another championship. He did it in Cleveland. He did it in Miami. And now he's did it in LA. And I don't know why this is. But there are those that do not want to give LeBron James credit for being arguably the greatest player that this game has ever seen, or certainly one of the very best. Now, if you want to say Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time, go ahead. You want to say Will Chamberlain, like Scott Pollard thinks is the greatest of all time, go ahead. But you cannot, you will not and cannot have a conversation about the greatest player in the history of basketball if you don't include LeBron James. You know, I couldn't believe that people were ripping LeBron James for passing the ball to Danny Green in, what was that, Game 4 against Miami? Really? Like, did people rip Michael Jordan when he passed the ball to John Paxson or Steve Kerr and they made the big shots? Guess what? The object of the sport is to win. OK, it's not to score 50 points and be the, the best player on an individual night. It's about winning that individual game. LeBron made the right play, the smart play. His teammate missed a shot. There should be no debate about that. And there should be no debate at all about LeBron, LeBron James' greatness. The guy is great. And I had the absolute privilege of not only being in his first professional Nike commercial, which was a thrill in itself. You can Google and look it up. But I had the thrill of announcing his first ever game in the NBA. And you knew right then and there, for those of us that watched it live at Arco Arena or on TV, you knew that barring injury, you were ended, you were going to watch somebody that was going to be great. And that night on TV, Jerry Reynolds said to me on live television that before it's all said and done, we might be witnessing a guy that's going to be considered the greatest player in the history of basketball and guess what the book's not done yet he's still playing is he not he may win another championship or two or three did he look like he was slowing down to you this year the guy keeps himself in unbelievable condition the guy is the greatest player that the game has today and the debate about Jordan or James who the hell cares First of all, it's not anything that can be determined by a debate. There is no right or wrong answer. All right? You love Jordan. That person loves LeBron. That person thinks it's Wilt. That person thinks it's Russell. Jerry West, all right, was in 10 NBA finals. He won one. One. Does anybody out there think Jerry West wasn't a great player? He is the logo, is he not? One in nine in finals appearances. Anybody out there not thinking Jerry West was a great player? The logo of the NBA. Would we ever say that? No, we wouldn't. Stop with the nonsense about James and the debate on whether he's better than Jordan or not. They're two of the greatest players of all time. That is not debatable. You can't even debate that. You can't debate it. If you're going to have a conversation, greatest player of all time, you have to include LeBron James in the damn conversation. And if not, you're stupid and you're ignorant and you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. And that's my rant for today. Hey, folks. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. Leave a comment on my various social media platforms. Really have enjoyed this. Hope you've enjoyed the past three episodes and episode two with Charles Barkley and the last episode with my good friend, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. We've got a couple of great guests lined up for you next week. And don't forget about Grant's Rant, each and every day during the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You can check out my video rants as well on YouTube. I really appreciate what you've done for me. I appreciate your support. I appreciate everything that you bring to our community and the love that you have for sports. And again, your support for me. It's not taken for granted, folks. It's not taken for granted. Thanks again for listening to this episode. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier. Step into the world of power, loyalty